It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Oklahoma Sooners pick up another commitment in the 2024 recruiting cycle. We got our man John Garcia of the Locked On Network here to break it all down with us. We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. And shout out to every member of the Everyday Club. I'm John Williams. Follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My man here is John Garcia. You can follow him on Twitter at John Garcia underscore junior. Check him out for all the great recruiting insight. You can check him out across the Locked On Network, covering every team every day with us here. John, Isaiah Autry, 2024 three-star offensive tackle, committing to the Oklahoma Sooners. Break down his game for us a little bit and then what led to him choosing Oklahoma over the in-state schools. Yeah, let's start there because that's a big deal. I I don't know how familiar this audience is with going into the the state of Mississippi. And and look, he's related to Marcus Dupree, so we will say that kind of off the top. But beyond that, for any school to go into the state of Mississippi for a prospect, the two in-state schools truly covet – much less at a premium position like offensive tackle, that is incredibly hard to do. Even for Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Ryan Day, those kind of coaches. So for Oklahoma to go in to the SIP and get really, I would say, the fastest riser in the entire state and potentially the number one offensive tackle in the state in Autry is a very big deal just optically and and on the surface level. It's just not something that is uh, easy to do or consistent for anybody in recruiting. But They got that early uh, 2023 trip out of Autry. He got the scholarship offer, and he really just told us about the energy and the feel there in Norman from Venables on down. Of course, Beaten Ball is, is right in the thick of it as well. The development, the history there speaks for itself. But just the feel and sort of comfort level in Norman Isaiah said was different compared to the other schools on his list. And again, this top five was, was Ole Miss, which was probably the favorite. Um, Alabama and Auburn were on there, as was Florida State, which had been in the game for a very long time. Oklahoma is probably the newest contender in that list. So to make up that type of ground in, in such a short amount of time it is a really big deal. And then the prospect-wise, you understand why he is so coveted and how that has been ascending. Six foot seven. 265, 270 or so, but that frame and athleticism is something that everybody is is sort of all in on in the state of Mississippi. Nobody thinks Isaiah is a finished product. Nobody thinks that that he's even close to scratching the surface of what he will be as a potential left tackle blindside protector, but everybody understands the trajectory that this kid is on, and that's why just in the last few months, not, not only Oklahoma, but Alabama, LSU, so many schools jumped in trying to poach him from the state of Mississippi, but lo and behold, Oklahoma does it. Uh, He's back for the spring game this weekend. And really he was like, Hey, I was going to wait and and really kind of digest everything again, maybe take a round of official visits, but really from that first unofficial to Norman this spring, it was beginning to look like the Sooners race to lose. It was just a matter of 
how long would that be sustained and how long would he hold off for a verbal commitment? But as he told me this week, he was just like, why wait if I know where I want to be? So huge for Oklahoma to win this at a premium position. And again, especially in the state of Mississippi. And sometimes you, you can be a little bit misled by the star status. You know, you, you yeah. see across the board, he's a three-star guy, but again, that's just a junior year rating. And you talk about the frame, you talk about the athleticism. I mean, six, seven has a chance to add 30, 40, 50 pounds. And there's going to be a developmental process in his you know, projection. You're not going to necessarily see him as a year one starter, but by his sophomore junior year as they add weight and functional strength and all that onto his frame. I mean, the dude's got a chance to, to be a really, really good player. If you're going up against the, the elite teams in college football branding, especially with the Florida States and the Alabamas, that says something about what Bill Biedenbow, Brent Venables, this, this staff, the offensive staff in particular is putting together on the recruiting trail to be able to go into a recruitment as late as they did. And then, makes such significant headway in such a short amount of time. I think it does speak to the volume of, or speak volumes of what Brent Venables does. Cause this isn't the first time that we've seen them go in, you know, offer a kid. And then a month or two later, they get the commitment from him. It, it seems like because of the culture, because of the developmental, you know, of what Bill Biedenboe does, it just changes the game a lot of times for them. So as you look at him, you, you see him as a left tackle. It seems like a lot of teams do see him as a left tackle. How does his game fit that position well? Well, look, uh, the length speaks for itself. Everybody's looking for, I would say, length more than a lot of other characteristics that, that we used to associate with elite offensive linemen or left tackles in particular. Size is just not the hurdle that it used to be. And Ditto for putting on weight, that that fear that once existed and, hey, we've got to reshape this kid's whole body for him to figure it out, that fear is out the window. If anything, most programs are looking for that tall, lengthy, and almost skinny, relatively speaking, offensive lineman that they can sort of mold both physically and technically as they get to their collegiate campus, uh, as opposed to the big, heavy prospect that you have to shed weight off of Oklahoma's done it successfully on, on both ends of this spectrum, but this is the modern one relative to Isaiah Autry. So yeah, I think he's going to add weight. As you mentioned, that won't be an issue. The length is great here. His footwork is really sound for his size. He redirects incredibly well, which is really another a key trait for great pass blockers, because look, these pass rushers, and you can look at Oklahoma's roster or who they're targeting and recruiting. These pass rushers are getting, uh, slimmer and, and, and lengthier at the same time. So it's, it's not your big Reggie White, Bruce Smith, Miles Garrett type of defensive ends. It's, it's guys who are coming off the edge, stand-up rushers that are a little bit more uh, leverage dominant, meaning that they're going to get bend and get lower to the ground. So that length and ability to redirect against smaller guys is more important than really it's ever been uh, within the sport. And that's where Autry, again, projects incredibly well here uh, in a couple of years. So as you said, John, preach patience with the ranking. Uh, all that will change. And look, it's hard to get to Mississippi. There's not a lot of evaluators in our industry uh, stationed there. So Autry would have to travel or we would have to travel to go see him, uh, vice versa. So that stuff usually will correct itself. And there's also a sense that this year in Mississippi, it's loaded. Like the depth in the state is really strong. So anybody considered number one at their position in Mississippi for this cycle 
it's a really big deal because folks down that way are saying this is the best cycle to come through in at least a decade. So when you talk about the trenches in particular, it holds even more weight because that's what we're used to seeing from, from that state. So if he's number one there already with a lot of room to improve, that's a really big deal and, and reemphasizes how big of a get this is for OU. Yeah, it's a huge get, and it's a kid, we we mentioned it, has a family history of athletic excellence with Marcus Dupree and his mom, who was a you know D1 basketball player for yep. Tennessee, Pashane Thompson. You have that kind of athletic uh, genetics in your background, and you're bound to be a pretty athletic player in your own right. So having, uh, having a mom that played basketball help you work on your footwork, uh, you know, and, uh, a family member that played running back, probably going to have some light feet or at least teach you how to have light feet. So he's got a lot going for him. Great commitment. It's huge to to see Oklahoma picking up momentum on the recruiting trail as they have. And we're going to continue to talk about what they're doing on the recruiting trail. A lot of wide receiver movement and big spring game weekend where they're going to be hosting a ton of you know top 100, top 150 recruits. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Roots here as well. Let's talk about the wide receiver position because that was the previous commitment that was the most recent. They got KJ Daniels out of Louisiana. This is a guy that, again, un- maybe an under-recruited player, you know, not seeing a lot of projections on him right now across the board, but you look at what he does on the field and he just brings speed, 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 and you can't have enough speed at the college football level. Yeah, this is a new age player. We talk about the lack of worry from from the offensive line perspective of throwing weight on a kid. From a receiver perspective, you don't worry about 5'9", 160 like we did even five years ago. It feels like, especially if you bring what is expected with that size, which is true juice, as they say. I mean, in terms of top end speed, instincts, vision, playmaking ability in the open field, and most importantly here, the burst, uh, Kelly Daniels, KJ Daniels really uh, fits the bill for any modern offense. And we know with Jeff Levy and company, this thing's going to go fast. And your playmakers will be, it's almost like basketball, your playmakers will find a way to touch the ball relatively consistently. And and that's where Daniels, I think, could be really an incredible fit for Oklahoma. Of course, you could throw him a bubble screen, hand him the ball on jet sweep. That probably goes without saying, uh, ditto for the return game. But I think his ability to work in the margins as a slot receiver, uh, he's a good route runner. And again, that quickness and burst are really his best traits. So he gets on top of the defender relatively quickly, uh, meaning that if there is a mismatch, if there's a linebacker or a bigger defensive back that has to rotate over to that type of zone, uh, it's going to be something alarming for Oklahoma to potentially take advantage of with Daniel. So you could understand here why he doesn't have the Isaiah Autry scholarship offer list, because they say if you're going to miss, miss on the measurables, miss on the 6'7 kid, not the 5'9 kid. But if there's a great fit, Uh, and true uh, high athletic profile traits, which Daniels exhibits on Friday nights and on the track, he just ran 10-9 this month, you know, then you're you're willing to take a guy like that. So he's one that I think will be fascinating when we think of the perception now as Oklahoma takes him, and then going forward as other schools kind of circle back around and say, hey, Louisiana kid, 
where's LSU, where are the rest of the SEC schools, do they try to jump in and maybe battle Oklahoma later in the cycle for a KJ Daniels? I think it could become that type of situation later on, but obviously a school with conviction earlier in the process uh, not only helped OU land this commitment, but in the end, I think it could help OU hold off others from the SEC that want to join sort of later in the game. Uh, so tribute there to, to Levy and, and Emmett Jones, of course. You're getting some crossover here from his evaluations and fits from the, the Texas Tech run uh, that, that he had before joining this OU staff. So uh, as you said earlier, Brent Venables, this depth of the coaching staff is really starting to show itself off here from a recruiting standpoint as this this class of 2024 really takes off for OU. And keeping with wide receiver, I mean, it's been momentum building this week. Emmett Jones has done a lot of really good work in just a short time with the Oklahoma Sooners, but now we've gotten more projections for Bryant Wesco, another projection for Zion Kearney. It seems like their wide receiver kind of depth chart for the 2024 class is really taking shape. Yeah, and and now here's where you get the variance, right? Obviously, Daniels, 5'10", slot receiver, maybe a gadget guy if we want to pigeonhole him. You, you go to Wesco and you go to Kearney, totally different situations. Uh, both are 6'2", 6'3", or so, more classic outside wide receiver one uh, type players with interesting connections. You mentioned Jones has been on Kearney since you know his previous stop as well. That relationship has now blossomed at Oklahoma since – Kind of like Autry, that first unofficial visit of, of this year, things changed in this recruitment. And with Wesco, similar situation, but you throw in, you know, family ties, sisters there on, on the Oklahoma soccer team. And really, Oklahoma's been the perceived favorite since even before Jones was brought on. But they also had a previous longstanding relationship, as you would expect him to have with a lot of the best in the state of Texas. So I think that part of it carries over even more so. And, and if we talked about energy and, and the excitement of a Jeff Levy offense and a Brent Venables team, it, it has even more impact potentially with the skill positions because that perception of Oklahoma still resonates with these players. So you'd be hard-pressed to find um, OU striking out uh, with pass catchers. It's always been a strength. And I think now with Daniels on board and certainly Michael Hawkins on board, you're going to start to see that momentum continue to pick up with uh, a lot of these tar these top targets. One more wide receiver I want to talk about, and then I do want to ask you about Michael Hawkins, who's been on the seven-on-seven -seven circuit. That's Brennan Thompson, the Texas wide receiver who's in the transfer portal, uh, was the top 20 or a number 20 wide receiver in the 2022 recruiting cycle. Or Yeah, uh, played a little bit as a true freshman, but not very much. Only caught one pass. What does he bring to the table in – is it just the overall depth of the Texas wide receiver room that's causing him to kind of look for options elsewhere? Absolutely. You know, Texas has recruited the position well in and of itself, but they've really hit the portal hard uh, from a wide receiver standpoint over the last few cycles. And I think getting through the spring situation, you know, you get a firsthand look, Hey, where, where do I stand here? When you're bringing in an, an 80 Mitchell from national champion, Georgia, and you have returning starters like, you know, the Xavier Worthy's, of the world, you bring in a five-star Jonte Cook, and, and yeah, you start to look around and say, "Hey, wh where do I fit?" Um, and, and naturally, you you move on there. So even though he's incredibly talented in his own right, uh, we haven't seen that type of receiver work under Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. You know, Brennan is five ten, five eleven, incredibly fast. I mean, if we we're all the stuff we said about Daniels, put that and then some when we talk about Brennan Thompson because he's he's ten four in the hundred meter dash. This is a different level of speed and there's a little bit more size and polish there 
relative to Daniels on top of it. So you understand why this is something that could really materialize quickly uh, with Thompson and, and Oklahoma uh, from the moment and even before he hit the transfer portal, when the rumors started picking up, you heard Oklahoma, hey, if this happens, keep an eye on the Sooners kind of deal. So naturally, he's going to visit for the spring game, and, and here we go from a momentum standpoint. But at the same time, as you you put out there, John, you understand the ability to look around and say, hey, maybe I'm I'm not going to get my fair share. If you didn't get it in 22 with a better receiver core and more talent added in 23 – I mean, it's pretty logical for him to, to make that assumption, especially having gone through spring football. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that from from both sides, whether it's Oklahoma grabbing a guy like that that they had, they had a previous relationship with or uh, from Brennan's standpoint, you know, moving on to, to better himself and increase his potential to, to make an impact, especially again with what Oklahoma has shown more propensity of doing successfully, which is utilizing all different types uh, of these wide receiver uh, body styles and and uh specificity on the outside so i think his ability as a slot could be something that that turns even quicker uh for oklahoma than some of these other guys that we're talking about already and going back to michael hawkins got the commitment from him you know tcu was a big player in that recruitment uh you know there's there's a little bit of uh maybe a bit of a misnomer because in the top 247 he dropped down to a three-star uh rated outside that but the talent is still there. I mean, he's still an incredible passer. He moves really, really well. He's very accurate. And he's been doing some really good work on the seven-on-seven seven circuit. What are the things that you're hearing from people and from what they're seeing or what you're seeing yourself? Well, first of all, I think he looks bigger. I think he looks like he has kind of uh, released some of that tension of, of the recruiting process and, and the crazy personal ordeal that, that his family, unfortunately, had to go through. He looks physically bigger, more fit, more equipped to, to be an early year contributor at the next level, uh, just from a height and weight standpoint. So I think he's filled out just a little bit. And, and yeah, the things we know he does so well, we're seeing that sort of get confirmed this offseason. The condensed motion and ability to release the football really quickly, which is, of course, very important in a Jeff Levy offense. And then that comfort when he's working outside the pocket, understanding his body, showcasing that athleticism to play balanced pass first football when you're put in those uncomfortable situations as you mentioned he's looked really good in the seven on seven circuit and also looked really good at the elite 11 regional in the state of texas last weekend where it's always loaded right this is the you know jackson arnold earners invite last year at this event this regional and there was 10 plus power five commits already working there with hawkins in the thick of it and um uh, an i i trust who was there boots on the ground for us said uh, Hawkins was his fourth best performer of the entire day. So if it's a scenario where the athleticism and the running ability is literally stripped away and it's all about passing and it's all about making you uncomfortable as a passer through this prestigious event and you're a top five guy in Texas uh, with, with a loaded year in the state and regionally as others came from other states, that is a heck of an indicator of not only the floor but the ceiling for a guy like Michael Hawkins so I think it's easy to to sort of peg him down um from from a technical standpoint or from a, even from a name standpoint it's kind of like the Arch Manning effect last year the name the legacy almost hurts you because people are, are just waiting to sort of detract there but I've seen nothing this offseason that makes me think less 
of Michael Hawkins. I think he's actually upped his own stock and looked more consistent and, and more set physically to be a college contributor earlier in his NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's career. Now turning our attention to the spring game, big weekend for the Sooners, welcoming back Kyler Murray, get his uh, Heisman statue, but also going to be welcoming in a bevy of top 100 prospects. The number one name that everybody is watching, the biggest recruitment that is being followed right now by Oklahoma Sooners fans is, is that of David Stone. I think people feel pretty good about where they stand with Williams Nguyenary, Nigel Smith, but David Stone being the pure interior defensive line prospect is the one that everybody's watching. So where do things stand with him and, and how big is it to have him on campus for spring game weekend? Well, I was surprised, John. He said this was his first spring game in Norman. And you just expect a kid from the state who's been around it and been coveted for so long to have happened to, to get to a spring game. But it just hadn't worked out that way for David. So I think that's perfect for Oklahoma because now it's it's one of the later spring games of the year, of the spring, and it's going to show him – what Oklahoma's known for, right? The energy, the passion, the fan base, everyone out there, huge stars on hand, the occasion of Kyler Murray, just sort of the spectacle element of it to do so in the month of April where that just kind of doesn't happen everywhere in college football, I think is a big deal because we've talked so much on this show and, and others about David Stone and how well-traveled he is, been to Norman a bunch of times, Michigan State, uh, Miami, Florida, LSU, Ohio State, Alabama. He's been everywhere, right? USC. But the consistency with which he continues to return to Norman and now seeing something new for once there, I think is a really big deal because if there's one program where you would have expected him to see just about everything, it would have been with the Oklahoma Sooners. So I think that uh, just from a front-facing perspective is a really big deal. And obviously it's always important for these guys to, to get back in close with the battery of Venables and Bates, uh, even Chavis, if he's helping out there, just the entire group uh, of priority coaches that are going to be on Stone as a priority recruit, I think re-emphasizing that is, is always a big deal because he's a frequent traveler and he's been on the road a bunch. But if you can show him that type of energy while you conduct a spring game, I think that's an even bigger deal and re-emphasizes just how high standing he has on the Oklahoma board. So I, I still kind of feel the same way about it this was Oklahoma's going to have a say before all is said and done kind of regardless of when Stone comes off the board and all indication right now is that he's going to take his time now he's looking at official visits I think Wisconsin's getting an official visit now out of him so he's really going to explore all his options but he keeps coming back to Norman and he's actually going to get a new experience there this weekend so I, I still think Oklahoma's going to be in the driver's seat uh, until we hear something truly concrete from another program and it's not as simple as visits i don't want to make it seem like it's hey whoever has the most visits is, is where david's going to go but when you compare that to his history referring to this as his home state school all of those emotional pulls on top of a new experience saturday you got to feel really good about oklahoma's chances regardless of when he comes off the board one more defensive line prospect i want to talk to you about that's joseph uh a joan dang it i had it in that <laughs> joseph jonah a joan a Ayonje, Joseph Jonah Ayonje. My apologies, Joseph. 
I had that in my head and then I got distracted by somebody working on my AC and it's just all throwing me for a loop. So this is kind of a newer name um, on the recruiting trail and it just kind of popped up. Sam Spiegelman of on three is predicting him to land with the Sooners was in Norman recently uh, posted a picture with Todd Bates. So we've, we've got some, you know, trajectory going there, but man, that's kind of a surprise that now there's a fourth, you know, four star defensive lineman that they're, or at least blue chip defensive lineman that they're heavily favored to get at this point. Yeah, and that, and these are are sort of the situations I think when Venables took the gig and the staff was sort of being put together. These were the situations you thought, man, if Oklahoma could commit to prioritizing and recruiting elite elite defensive linemen on a consistent basis, it's like here we go relative to the the potential ceiling of the program. And this class has been a, a masterclass. Uh, of building momentum with multiple prospects simultaneously. There's not many schools that could be either in the running and or the favorites for Stone, who we just talked about, and Winery at the very top, and still have a lot of other blue chippers willing to continue to visit and consider the Sooners in high regard because you kind of look around and say, hey, um, where's the love for me? Where, where am I going to be prioritized? But somehow, some way, Venables, Bates, Chavis, this whole group continues to prioritize prioritize these guys and make them feel incredibly wanted simultaneously to the point where Joseph, as you mentioned, was just there and he's coming right back for the spring game. And Oklahoma is the only school that he set an official visit with for the month of June. So you talk about momentum here. It's really tangible uh, for one of the best in the state of Texas. Six four two sixty is what Joe is, is listed as right now an outside in pass rusher who has a frame that you can probably add some weight to so really strong move here for Oklahoma and you don't want to view it as insurance for the other guys because they're all kind of different in terms of of their approach but if you, you get some of these guys on board early who seem a little bit closer to making a decision compared to Stone and, and Nuaneri among others it starts to help build that momentum and solidify the depth of the class, but it's always important for Oklahoma to hit the state of Texas hard again, especially at premium positions. And it doesn't get more premium than, than a blue chip pass rusher. That's another on the ascent. Like his profile is growing right now. So if Oklahoma can lock him in during that process, as opposed to after you feel really, really good about their chances to land him and hold off whoever joins the party later, much like we talked about with Daniels. Well, because it seems like the whispers out there are that this could be a very big class for the Sooners. You know, they've kind of been at the you know, 24 to 26 range the first couple cycles under Brent Venables. But there's talk that this could approach 30 plus uh, prospects in this class as they try to, you know, build through recruiting and use the transfer portal a little bit less in future years. Look, if that's the case, then, yeah, you would expect an entire offensive line and defensive line sort of at a minimum in that pursuit so naturally it can't just be about those five-star defenders you got to bring in depth beyond that but if this is the the group that you're starting to be on that conversation with uh it's a heck of a, a strong point for oklahoma which you just expect to have a really strong uh recruiting weekend beyond autry's verbal commitment so this this is really it feels like the momentum is here and it's it's not going to slow down in the coming weeks even though spring ball is you know coming to a close chances they end up with another top five class in the 2024 cycle i think they're pretty strong you know we could probably lock in a couple schools in that top five pursuit without thinking too hard about it i think you know your georgias your alabamas maybe ohio state have locks a locked position there 
But uh, the group competing for those other two theoretical spots is wide open. Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, uh, Miami, all schools sort of in that ballpark that you feel like have a ceiling to potentially uh, get there. Penn State, I would probably throw in there too. Uh, so yeah, Oklahoma finished incredibly strong in the 23 cycle um, when, when things weren't as, I guess, stable on the field. So if, if there's early momentum in 24 and things do stabilize on the field on the back end, yeah, you feel like the sky's the limit for, for this type of class. And if you're talking about bringing in 30 guys from an algorithm perspective, volume matters. Uh, you know, it is what it is. So it won't hurt the Sooners' chances uh, in that top five pursuit. And I would say if that is the plan and this momentum is real that we feel in the spring, then, yeah, Oklahoma's going to be in position to – be top five or, or maybe even, you know, closer to one before all said and done. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners, a special recruiting edition with our man, John Garcia. Again, go follow John on Twitter at John Garcia underscore junior. Check him out. All his work across the Locked On network. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, John. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. And until next time, after a great spring game weekend where we might see several more commitments over the weekend, Josh will be back with me. Uh, for next week, uh, next week's episode, and we'll break it all down here on Locked On Sooners. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.